uh, all these old recordings of uh, Stravinsky, like, conducting his own work. Oh. Some of it, like, they just kind of, like, let the tape roll between takes. And uh, he's talking to, like, the audio engineer. And, like, you can't hear what the audio engineer is saying. It just kind of sounds like... Uh, but, like, Stravinsky's, like, right next to the microphone. And, like, Stravinsky, he stops. He's like, no, it's going to sound bad on the recording. And you hear the audio engineer. Oh, no, 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 no. And uh, Stravinsky just goes, okay, I will trust you. <laughs> the audio engineer is probably like, leave the recording to me. I'll leave the conducting to you, asshat. <laughs> but Stravinsky was funny. He got invited to the White House for dinner when uh, uh, Kennedy was president. And he got too drunk and had to leave early. And uh, one of the Secret Service people heard him say on the way out, nice kids. So he lived to be like 90-something, didn't he? he was, Maybe. I feel like he lived the whole 20th century. I think he died in the 70s, I want to say. Okay. But I think he was born in the 1800s. Well, I mean, if Rite of Spring was like 1916, yeah, he would have been at least 20. So, you know, he was probably like 80 at least when he died. There's no way to find this out for sure. Who knows? Uh, one for the ages, that one. <laughs> well, are you ready to do this? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Okay. Welcome, Welcome to, to X-Rated, X-rated movies. movies. I'm one half of your hosting team, Matthew Fisher. I am the other half of your hosting team, Ryan Whedon. Uh, is this another episode that we started in Media Reyes? Yes. Okay. But only if I include all that hot Stravinsky talk. <laughs> Yeah, but if you don't, you're going to have to cut out all this then. You're really just creating more work It's for work either way, <laughs> but it would be on brand for this season, mm-hmm. uh, season Our 19. In media, Reyes, slash, what, what, are, what are the other themes that we did this season? Uh, uh, um, uh, child rape. Was that a theme this season? Well, we did at least two movies that had problematic uh, age discrepancies. And uh, 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 chiaroscuro. Sure. Put a pin in it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, and there's another one that we'll put a pin into. Okay, just pins are all around. Pins all around, yeah. It's the beginning of this podcast episode is like uh, a Hellraiser. Right, it's just a pinhead. Yeah. Matt. Ryan. I would like to take a moment to give a shout out to a friend of the pod that uh, we chat with a lot, but I don't think uh, we give him enough props. I'd like to talk about Eric Blood for a minute. Okay. Uh, recently, uh, he was featured on an Instagram post for being, uh, it was like a black excellence sort of thing, and a lot of people re-grammed it, I guess that's what you call it. Okay. And I thought about doing that myself, but I realized this is probably a bigger megaphone, so oh sure, uh, I just want to like... Shout out that he's a brilliant producer and musician. So if you need him for any of your work, hit him up. He's a, a Stranger Genius Award winner. Yeah. He's got his own Wikipedia page. I mean, I've been listening to his solo albums at work, and they're just like, mwah, they're magnificent. I can't believe I've never really geeked out with him on like audio stuff. I really need to. Did you listen to his like sex album one? Yes. <laughs> Touch screens. Yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. He's just really good, and uh, I don't. I miss him. We haven't been able to have him back on the pod in over a year now yeah. because of quarantine. But um, we still text with him a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, miss the guy. And I just want to give him a shout out and let the world know that he's available to help make your album. 
And yeah, and he'll do it right well, he will. Uh, That's right, governor. <laughs> hit him up. I have do not have his contact. <laughs> I mean, I do. I'm not. You're okay. like, I text him all the time. <laughs> I would feel uncomfortable putting his phone number on the pod. Anyway, great guy. Give him your love. Give him your business. Yeah. Um, and I have another thing I want to talk about now, Matt. Yeah. Changing gears completely. So today, as of this recording, the Podcast Academy, which is a thing, apparently announced uh, nominees for their first podcast awards, which they're calling the Ambies. <laughs> they should have gone with the potties. <laughs> and uh, I think our... I mean, our nomination envelope must have been lost in the mail or something. I don't know. We haven't gotten it yet, but uh, and we weren't on anything I could see on the website, so it's it's probably coming. It's a work in progress. Yeah, but uh, I think I want to make a pitch here and now to have us be presenters. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. How would you feel about that, and what would our bit be? Uh, well, I think we would, uh, make all the nominees for whatever category we were presenting reenact scenes from movies. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, whoever does the best wins that award. <laughs> oh, so we get to choose. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exactly. even matter what the envelope nope. says? <laughs> okay. I was thinking we could, uh, we could try and, uh, rewrite it so that we collectively are uh, Elizabeth Taylor at the Golden Globes. <laughs> Gladiator! <laughs> Gladiator! I mean, you gotta watch that full speech. It's, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> Throughout the evening, we've seen clips from the six nominated films. Now, it's time to find out which one will take home the Golden Globe. We gotta make sure that the Ambies are more like the Golden Globes in an, in tone at mm-hmm, least right then you know the the academy awards or the or the the emmys or something like right i don't want like a big concert hall filled with famous people i want like intimate like tables and drinks and things like that where we can all get sloshed and boo and hiss and cheer i like it well this one's gonna be online of course but uh <sighs> i don't want to Set the bar too high for us and aspire to be nominated someday. I think we can aspire to being presenters, though. Well, aren't presenters usually like former winners and nominees? Or charismatic fun types (laughs) working in the industry. Well, I'm trying to think of someone who like presents that has never been nominated. Oh, I just meant like we're just doing category. Like we, we have a specific category. Like we're doing best foreign language podcast podcast. (laughs) best foreign language business podcast Uh, and the nominees are (laughs) chajuki's money hour (laughs) from thailand Euro Hero from Belgium. Uh, Finance with France (laughs) from uh, Quebec, of all places. Don't pay so much from Ecuador. They have pesos in Ecuador? I think so. Mm. 
quit your yawning <laughs> and pay attention <laughs> from <laughs> North Korea. <laughs> These are awesome. <laughs> These are off the top of our heads. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we could do it. Yeah. And, and then, you know, when we open the envelope, we could go, Gladiator! <laughs> to a room full of crickets. And then say, it's, uh, it's, it's the Yuan one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, getting, like, uh, 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 comically drunk and then just going on Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams or something doesn't quite have the same brava as, you know... Getting blitzed in front of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Yeah. Puff pa. All right. How about this? So I'm putting the pitch out there. I just want it to be out into the universe. So maybe we're, we won't present this year. Next year, when we can get dressed up, and they'll fly us out to, I'm assuming, Los Angeles. And uh, we put could, us up in a hotel. Nice, yeah. fancy hotel. We'll not rub one elbows of these. with, uh, with you know, Ira Glass and... Uh, uh, Who's, who's another podcast Joe person? Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Carolla. Mm, Matt Gorley. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that one, actually. No, that would be fine. But, hey, Podcast Academy. The Ambies are a thing again next year. I'm not looking for an award or a nomination. I don't want that kind of glory. I want the glory of being the talk of the town for being the best <laughs> fucking presenters for foreign language business podcast. The only way we know who won Best Picture at the Golden Globes that year was because of Elizabeth Taylor's delivery. Hello. Anyway, just saying, just want to put it out there. I think we'd be a lot of fun. The end. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? wasted enough time have we matt have we uh, have we really or have we wasted just enough time uh, it's probably the proper amount of time okay yeah the our producer is saying move along move okay along. so uh okay well today matt we're here to talk about uh, a certain man with a certain plan for making movies <laughs> and, and what is that man ryan well it's the german art house gay Rainier Werner Fastbinder. I wanted to say Michael again. I know. It's just, it's right there. <laughs> like, you see Fastbinder and you think Michael. Yeah. We're doing our, our I, okay, so I came up with this. I should have run this past you. Uh, Fastbinder Film Bender. Fastbinder Film Bender. Yeah. Yeah. A Fastbinder Film Bender. Great. Cool. Let's go with it. Uh, out of all the double features we've done, is this the least populist? <laughs> Like, usually we have at least, like, one movie that people might know or have heard of mm. or, or, or enjoy in some way. Uh, these are two, like, A, we've chosen a director that's fairly obscure. So, like, even if you know of him or have seen some of his stuff, these are movies that, like, are even, like, a little bit lower on the Fastbinder hierarchy, yeah. I guess. We're doing Martha and Veronica Voss. Yes. And I feel like Veronica Voss 
has some acclaim. It's on Ebert's Great Movies list. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that—that's its big claim to fame. For, yeah, I mean, I'd never heard of it before watching this, so that's not a good sign. Yeah, these um, Chiaro Obscuro, am I right? Mm-hmm. Um, Boy, how long did it take you to write that one? <laughs> Just now, top of my head. <laughs> yeah, I. You, you're probably right. This is probably the most uh, obscure grouping we've done for a double feature. Yeah, I mean, most of our double features are either, you know, uh, AFI roulette, actresses, which, you know, maybe we'll have, like, one obscure one, like in the case of uh, uh, Grishanathan, we had House of Versace, which, you know, lifetime original movie. But it was double feature with Bound. Yeah. So, you know, like, one high and one low. And, like, this is the one where it's, like, if you look up any list of of Fastbinder and get any sort of like ranked by popularity, uh, 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 you know, on IMDb or Letterboxd, I think Veronica Voss is like number six, <laughs> and like Martha's like number eleven. Yeah, Martha's a made-for-TV movie. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. But uh, yeah, yeah. He's best known for Bitter Tears of Peter von Kant, I think. Which, which we covered last summer. Exactly. And so rewind and check that out. A lot of people love that episode. It's a solid so, up, solid up. I'm glad we're covering a few more. He was very prolific. Super prolific. He only lived to be 36 or 37, something like that. And he made over 40 movies. Yeah. Yeah. He, he And like he's got a bunch of plays. His early years were spent as like a playwright and director. Yeah. And before moving to uh, La Cin- Der Cinema. Uh, <laughs> Two long-running TV programs, too, he directed. I know. I um, I went to go rent, like, was it Eight Days Don't Make a Week or something like that? Before I saw that it was, like, 456 minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, like, Alexander Berlinis plots or something. Okay. And that one's, like, 700 minutes. And I'm like, I want to see these, but who has the time? <laughs> I mean... That was the thing. Like he was a drug fueled maniac. He died of a combination of like alcohol and barbiturates or something. Yeah, probably coming down from cocaine. Yeah, I got to get some sleep because it's like the man just couldn't stop working. He was just constantly making stuff. Yeah, which honestly I'm a little jealous of. But also, I'm Tai Tai sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> he also just sounds like he was a handful, like personally, to deal with. Mm. Uh, there is a German movie that I haven't seen because it's only on VHS, and I couldn't find anything on YouTube that like had subtitles. Uh, it's a movie called A Man Called Eva. That's sort of a fictionalized version uh, that someone made of like working with Fastbinder. And it's an actress who worked with Fastbinder. I can't remember her name because it's a German actress. But she was in some of his movies. She's playing him. Like, he's gay, but he was like a, probably like a four on the Kinsey That's scale. Right. He had like a wife slash girlfriend who was totally cool with him fucking dudes. Yeah, and it's like in the movie, he brings, like, he casts his girlfriend as like the lead in his movie. And she's like, oh my god, this is like such a big deal. And then he spends the whole movie ignoring her, like the whole making of the movie ignoring her and hitting on like the other supporting actress and like openly hitting on like the stage crew of like men uh-huh. and like just like, yeah, like shutting her out like during the making of the movie. And I'm just like, what, what are you doing? He's like, uh, he's like Marlon Brando f- fucking a mailbox. Well, I think in 
Bitter Tears, the character that never talks, the the dirty little sub, I think he was dating her at the time. Yes, I think she's actually the one who turns out to be his, like, wife girlfriend. Who yeah, so I don't know. It may have been her that, like, plays Fastbinder in this other movie or something. But Wild. Yeah, it just, he just sounds like a handful. Like, just willfully meddling in like the private and like personal lives of his cast and crew and just being generally shitty to them. How much would you want to be in one of these movies though? Boy, I don't know. They don't seem like they were a lot of fun, <laughs> but they're so cool. I, Matt, I'll just come out of the gate. I liked both of these movies a lot. Well, that's good. Cause when we, Way started the podcast in the in the in the long long ago. You mentioned that you wanted to do a Fastbinder, so I didn't. But you didn't say which one, oh, okay. so I didn't watch any Fastbinder movies for like three and a half years or something. I'm sorry, and I'd only seen like one or two before that. Okay, and so after we did Bitter Tears, I went on a little uh, uh, binder bender of my own, mm-hmm. and I watched like ten of his movies. They're not everyday movies. Like after a while, I think like. Once I got to, like, Merchant for All Seasons, I was just like, I gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they, they're they really rewarding, I think. And especially when, once you've seen, like, a certain amount of movies, it's like, these are very refreshing to watch. Like, there are two dramas that we've got today, but they're just filmed in such a way and acted so well. And I don't know. I was I was here for both of them. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, oh, you've already watched all the Von Trier's movies? We'll move on to Fastbinder. Like, yeah. you haven't got enough of, like, men being inhumanly shitty to women for <laughs> long bouts of time? Well, here's 40 Buckle-ups. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, they are, like, I feel like they are sort of, like, cut from the same cloth a little bit, like Von Trier and Fastbinder, that, like... Fastbinder is a little bit more traditional in his filmmaking, but not. He's not like Hollywood or anything like that. Like, no. They're just like weird. I don't even know how to describe some of them. They're just German neo realism. Like, what do you want to call that movement? Uh, German New Wave, I think. Yeah. Is yeah. That what the, I think okay. he's part of the. He gets lumped in there. With like uh, Werner Herzog, they were contemporaries. At sure. The time, so, and like some, uh, like I know that Fastbinder wanted to work in America. Like he never made an English-speaking movie, and like when asked about it, he goes, "I'd rather be not free in the American system than pretend to be free in the German system." Mm. And some of the people that Fastbinder worked with regularly, like went on to like work in the Hollywood system, like Udo Kier's in a couple of his movies. Oh. Uh, uh, Armin Stahl, I think his name. He's in Veronica Voss a little bit. He's a character actor in American movies. Like, if you ever saw Shine, he's the dad in Shine. Okay. Uh, and he, sh- he shows up in a bunch of stuff. And, like, you know, cinematographer Michael Ballhouse. Right. Like, went on to work with Scorsese a whole bunch. That's right. But, yeah, he's just... Like, uh, major Scorsese works. Yeah. So... Uh, but yeah, which uh, which movie do you want to start with? Yeah, good question. I watched them Martha Veronica Voss. And I watched them Veronica Voss Martha. No! Uh, uh, well, because, you know, on, on that topic, these movies are only streamable through the Criterion oh, channel. Oh, yeah, we should tell about this. 
So it's been, been a little comedy of errors on our part. Listeners may know that I work in a tax office, and you know, it being tax season and all, I'm a little, little jammed up. Uh, Matt's visor is off to the side. <laughs> One sleeve is rolled down. Uh, his pencil behind his ear is broken. <laughs> so, colorful description. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, the, these were only streamable through the Criterion channel. So you know, if you got that, then way to go. Um, oh, if I'd known that, I would have just subscribed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I was like, it's fine. I'm going to pick him up at Scarecrow. Anyway, I go, I'm in a hurry. I pick up Martha and Veronica Voss, take them home. And, uh, I was like, well, uh, I'll try and like rip them and we'll upload them to like the Google drive. So like I rip Martha and I upload it and I'm like, okay, see how it works. See if you can download and play it. And like you said, it was just like seven hours of the, the title card and or like gobbledygook. It was a real mess. I was yeah. like, okay, so we'll uh, we'll figure out a time to just like exchange them with one another, and then like I look at Veronica Voss, and it's a Blu-ray, and I didn't mean to grab a Blu-ray, but it came in like a slim cardboard case because it's part of a box set, the BDR trilogy with Marjorie Maria Braun and Lola. And listeners will remember on our possession episode, I don't have a Blu-ray player at the moment, so. <laughs> And so, like, I was like, there's no way that I can even rip this, and Ryan can't play it. So, yesterday, he came by, I, no, you came by my place on Sunday, got, got Martha, Martha. <laughs> returned it so that you could return it, and yesterday, then you- and then we met up again today, because I went to Scarecrow yesterday and got a DVD of Veronica Voss, and gave it to you, and God hoping that it w- played. <laughs> it all worked fine. <laughs> fine. Uh... But, uh, yeah, a lot of roadblocks to, to getting this double feature done. Yeah. iTunes doesn't seem to care for Fastbinder, so... I guess. Can't get them shame. on any of your usual streaming services. <sighs> Another thing that's making this, like, all the more, like, obscure. It's like, not only are we choosing, like, two <laughs> obscure movies, but it's like, even if you wanted to watch them, there's a roadblock. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep an eye on the analytics for this episode. I'm real curious. <laughs> Uh, I guess, okay, so I guess I would like to be selfish and start with Martha, since that's the first Let's one I watched. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, great. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> so, the stars, uh, the uh, actress... Uh, Marguerite Cartinson? Yeah, Cartinson, something like that. Who, uh, w- maybe we put a pin in this earlier, uh, in our themes pins, but uh, she was also in Possession. That's right. Uh, so, uh, it's all coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bitter Tears of Peter Van Kunt. She plays Peter Van Kunt. Yep. She was in a lot of Fastbender films, uh, but she's playing the titular Martha here. Uh, how about that font, that title card font? You like that one? Oof. It's like 70s wallpaper. It is, yeah. Hideous. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a made-for-TV, ger- like, German TV movie that mm-hmm. didn't get aired until, like, 1997. What? Yeah, it was deemed like too controversial. Uh, well, I could kind of see that maybe. Yeah, I, it's I, fucked up. <laughs> the movie's not what I'd call like family friendly. <laughs> like knowing that this was gonna like air on like the German equivalent of ABC or ABC. something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Okay, you, you know, a, in like the s- Simpsons when there's worker and parasite. <laughs> This is kind of how I feel. For a TV movie? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell is that? So, 
This is uh, he was really into Douglas Sirk at the time. And so he was kind of like There's some Douglas Sirk posters in the background of one scene. Also, she lives on fucking Douglas Sirk Avenue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which subtle. <laughs> uh, so this is sort of his like, I'm going to make a woman in peril mm-hmm. or by domesticity movie. And uh, yeah, he kind of nails it. If you ask me. Like marriage is, this is what oppression. you think marriage is like. Yeah, is this why you're not married, Ryan? <laughs> yep. Oh, that reminds me. I made us uh, some pig kidneys in, in uh, burgundy uh, sauce. <laughs> that well, is your I'm, favorite dish. I'm allergic to to Olaf, Ryan. Oh, but you said that that's your. Mm, yeah, I think you're dish. confusing me with your father. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's just probably go, my fault. Just go to the kitchen, whip me up something real quick. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, whatever you make will be fine. I'm sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what I can do. Sure. Oh, and gas. Scene. <laughs> Gaslighting the movie. Out the wazoo. This out gaslights gaslight. I mean, seriously. Okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, Martha, she's on uh, a holiday with her father. Mm-hmm. Roman holiday. Yeah. Mm. He's, he's low-key abusive, we'll say. Like, not outwardly or aggressively abusive but it's like trolling undermining everything that she does like with with just like snide comments like she's like oh i want to write a postcard to mother if you must yeah like you can't let her write a fucking postcard yeah uh well then like she comes down the stairs and he's like waiting you and your mother that's all you have me do is wait 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 she looks fantastic, by the way, coming down oh, those stairs. She looks great in a number of scenes. Like she's got those high waisted pants, but they're like billowy. But yeah, like... that was a pants suit she was wearing. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, no, there was a couple times where I was just like, "Yeah, she's dressed real well." Hmm. Yeah, yeah. The fashion was was good without becoming bananas. Right. This we're not. This isn't Peter Van Cunt levels. Right. <laughs> she's fashionable. And so they're uh, on the Roman holiday, and her father dies. <laughs> Uh, on the Spanish Steps. I don't know what that is. Yeah, but... it's a famous Roman landmark. Okay. I don't know why it's not the Roman Steps. Um, you know? <laughs> so, on her way to the German embassy to, like, arrange to to, to, to get the, the father's cadaver home, she runs into this man, and there is this Michael Bay-esque camera movement... Where it's like, if you're watching it, there's no words in it, but it's just like, you know that these two people are doomed to be together. Yeah. Uh, they like lock eyes. Meaningful. And the, camera, the camera swirls around while they, they also, also spin. Yeah, because you get like, because otherwise, so while they're going, while he's going around them, they're also kind of spinning. And I think he does that so that we can see their faces while he's spinning because otherwise you would miss certain glances maybe i don't know i rewound it because i was like what the hold on i gotta see that again it's remarkable it's pretty amazing it is pretty amazing it's also like you couldn't just like do close-ups of like their faces smiling at one another i was like (laughs) did you have to make this the most dramatic possible but don't you love it oh i love it okay thank you (laughs) because i don't know it's just like you know, we've seen 10,000 meet cutes in our day. Like, we've seen countless romances, whether they be drama or comedy or anything else. And it's like, when boy meets girl, it's always just like close ups of faces and twinkling eyes and things like that. Yeah. And Fastbinder, he's just like, nope, 
we're gonna do it all in camera movement and like body language. Yes, yeah, there isn't even like a soundtrack. No, it's, you hear like their feet the gr- scuffling on the, gravel. on the gravel. Yeah, and it still like takes my breath away. Yeah, it's all about the visual. Yeah, it's real good, and it's like because there's no words, like we have no real understanding of this person's importance, other than they had this instantaneous connection that lit something up inside them mm. because like it like another 10 15 minutes goes by before we see him come back yeah we get clued into the fact that martha's horny because earlier the uh, concierge at the hotel sent up a guy she winked at yeah and he, he he shows up all sweaty ready to fuck her and she's like now he is really sweaty yeah. like he's got like he was sweating through his shirt yeah it was like sticking to him um and at the risk of being racist is that the same guy that's in veronica voss which guy in Veronica the um, American GI? Oh, is it? Because that was that's Fastbinder's lover, and he's in a bunch of movies. I meant to look he, this he's up. He's in Ali Fear Eats the Soul. Yeah. Like that's what I recognized him from. Oh, well, when we get to Veronica Voss is in Black I'll and White. I'll look it up. I'll look so, it up on the intermission. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Possibly. But she she's real horny, and she's like. Uh, but she also says at one point that like she's a virgin. Or that she's, like, waiting for marriage? I think she's a horny virgin. I feel like all virgins would be horny. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because it's, like, she's probably, like, early 20s or something or mid-20s, but everyone's calling her a spinster because she isn't married yet. Yeah. Because she's pretty rich. She's, like, from a well-to-do family, and they keep trying to marry her off, and she's just sort of, like, not ready. I mean... (laughs) Well, because the, her boss proposed her, which inappropriate. Inappropriate. Yeah, and then when she when she declines, the boss calls in the coworker. I kn- also a fellow redhead. <laughs> and he just co- has a type. The coworker walks out like I'm getting married. <laughs> I know he uh, just wants to get married. I guess. Yeah. To a coworker. <laughs> he likes the mousy librarian type. Oh. He likes underlings with red hair. That's yeah. His, that's his kink. You I should mean, be so lucky. <laughs> Good for him for finding someone. But honestly, it's not until she sees how upset... Uh, what's the husband's name? And look it up. It's not until Martha sees how upset her mother is at the prospect that yeah. suddenly she's like, oh, this is the guy for me. <laughs> Oh, so you think she did it because she wanted to make her mom upset? Hundo P. Oh. Hundo P. I think that's a bad move because her mom is addicted to drama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Martha, I mean, just by the, the camera movement of, of their meet cute, like you can tell that sparks are flying. Mm-hmm. But I think what solidifies it for her is how unhappy her mother is. Like, mm-hmm. When her mother's, like, having that heart attack or whatever, I think, like, the implication or how I read the scene is, like, Martha wants her to live just so she can see the wedding. (laughs) Yikes. Okay, I didn't get that. But That, uh, that, That was the impression I took from this is, like, she's only doing this because her mother hates this guy. Oh. And I think the mother hates this guy because he reminds her of Martha's father, late father. His name's Helmet, by the way. Helmet, okay. Yeah. She hates Helmet because Helmet is like Martha's father, late father, and Martha's mother is this, like, 
low-key functioning alcoholic who's been like hiding it for 20 years yeah and i think she you know hates the idea of martha marrying someone like her father because she probably hated the father yeah the mom kind of seems to be a little celebrating (laughs) that the guy's dead Mm -hmm. she's sort of like oh finally i can let my hair down well, she does, like, the full, like, Sicilian widow thing, like, right off the bat at, like, the train station. Right. Uh, but after that, she's like, good riddance. <laughs> Which, by the way, okay, one of our favorite things to harp on, creative blocking, that scene when Martha steps off the train and her sister and her mother run up to her and, like, the mother goes running after the coffin crying and it, the camera just pauses on them all kind of huddled together in their black morning dresses with the train like moving behind them i'm like this is all you need oh yeah it i looks also noticed great. that like they walked in unison martha her mother and her sister were like walking to the car as like the train was was going away and it's like their steps were like in perfect unison too Looks and, good. oh yeah it, it was good stuff and then like yeah it's like in the same shot like you see like the tail end of the coffin being put in the hearse right yeah yeah all good stuff looks good looks good but the mom is definitely like um like lucille bluth everything i do is so dramatic and flamboyant it just makes me want to set myself on fire yeah when when uh, martha makes out with uh helmet for the first time she screams and takes a bunch of sleeping pills and faints on the dinner table yeah <laughs> Yeah, L- little drama queen little there. Drama. Uh, she she dies right eventually, uh, or maybe not. No, I don't know. Like, cause she, when Martha tells her mother that she's gonna get married to Helmet, she like faints. Okay, but uh, oh, and he's like, oh, you want she wanted her to be dead yeah and uh uh, she's like you know call the hospital or whatever and he's like no this is what you wanted and then they make out for a little bit and then he goes over to the phone and calls the hospital yeah doesn't he like shove her down in like she lands in the same position her mom is in yeah or close to it yeah Yeah, so it's like hmm subtle (laughs) i don't care it looks great so then they they have their honeymoon matt their lovely honeymoon so okay i watched this I think over the summer. I don't remember the exact date that I watched it initially. I didn't realize how much I'd forgotten from this movie. Okay. But the one thing that I remembered more than anything else was that fucking sunburn. Like, as someone of pasty complexion, like, my sympathy ran deep. Oh, yeah. As soon as he she, like, lays out in the sun and he's like, don't bother with sunscreen. I want you to brown up a little bit. I was like, with her red hair and fair skin... <laughs> This isn't going to end well. I'm like, they're probably going to smash cut to sunburn. Guess what? Smash Smash cut cut to to sunburn. sunburn. Like, full body sunburn. Like, just the bikini line is not. So it's like, just her titties in her bush. That's gotta hurt. And everything else is, like, severe. And, uh, like, around her eyes, like, where the sunglasses would protect. By the way, good look for her, that bikini. Just going to say it. Oh, yeah, she looked great. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's, like, remarking that she's too skinny. She's like... or how does he say it? He's like, uh, there's not enough meat on your bones. Some would even say yeah. that you're skinny. Yeah. And he's, it's like derisive the way that he's saying it. I uh, could just feel your skeleton through. Yeah. Your, you know, something like that. Oh, but that sunburn, she's just lying there. And he comes over and he starts like touching her. I know. I felt it. <laughs> it's <laughs> really upsetting. 
And I was just like, oh yeah, that's why I remember this because this is like I know what a sunburn feels like. Like he starts just like rubbing his fingers, but then like scratching, and I'm like, oh, scratching the sunburn. And then he gets on top of her and like starts trying to have sex with her, like while he's like fully dressed in a suit. I know. So that's like scratchy on a sunburn. Ugh. And I was like, oh, that's why I remember it because this is like the cruelest thing he does in the movie. Oh, wait. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't... This is the preview. <laughs> yeah, this is like the, the low-key, like, S&M stuff here. God. It only gets worse. Yeah. So, yeah, so they get home, and he doesn't even tell her that she's not living in her mom's house anymore. He got this other house. Like, this is where you live now with me. Yeah. Well, I mean, which... They're married. It's reasonable that they would live together. Right, but not talk about it. <laughs> Just, like, come back from honeymoon and be like, this is your new home now. I think the bigger controlling thing is how, like, she went to work and her old boss was like, uh, your husband put in your resignation long ago. He took her gerb. <laughs> they took your gerb. They took your gerb. Oh my god, like just like the low-key, passive, controlling, I'm just like, I would be, like, maybe not in the library, but I would be, like, flipping over every table and, like, ripping out every book. Like, I would be, like, so furious if someone did that to me. I know. Why can't she also work? (laughs) He wants to control her. Totally. Yeah, it's fucked up. Like, you can't smoke in here. Oh, yeah, if, you, if you're going to smoke, smoke and like, I want the, the, the veranda. The veranda, yeah. yeah. Have you ever lived in a place with a veranda? I don't believe I have, no. What, uh, what What's the difference between a veranda and a lanai? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Okay. Uh, or a porch? I'm very curious. I feel like a lanai is probably ground level. Okay, and a veranda's... Like, overlook something. Okay. They're both, like, walled in outside areas, though, right? Well, I mean, to be fair, my definition of a lanai is derived well, yeah. fully from Golden Girls. So it could also just be a backyard, yeah. porch. And my definition of a veranda is fully sourced from that stupid joke from Three Amigos. Well, we could take a walk and you could kiss me on the veranda. Lips would be fine. So, yeah, and then it's just like a, a series of escalating control issues from then on. And, boy, I just, I was really shocked at how little I remembered from the second half. I, so I watched this, this spoiler, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday. I watched this on a Wednesday evening, and I'm just like, this is not, like, a good, like, hump day movie. <laughs> like, this isn't going to help me get through the rest of my week. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not a, a feel-good movie. And then I looked at my review on Letterboxd, and it my it's just one sentence that said, uh, well, that ruined my Sunday. And I was like, well, I can't watch it on Wednesdays, and I can't watch it on Sundays. <laughs> We're running out of days here, Matt. <laughs> I was like, what day is the right day to watch this movie? <laughs> yeah. So the aforementioned pig's kidneys in 
burgundy sauce. He tells her when they're on vacation because she asks him. She's like, I want to get to know you better. What's yeah, your favorite? She, she's thing? like, we haven't actually done the small talk yet. Like, what's your favorite yeah. food? Yeah, and so he tells he tells her that. Yeah, we watch him do it. Yeah, and then she slaves all day making it. She even says like it was difficult to make when he comes home one day from work and he's like, oh, I can't eat awful. I'm allergic to it. Yeah, and she's like, but you said, and he's all. Well, you must have mistaken me for your well, father. Yeah, when 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 she asks him, he, he's like pig kidneys in in burgundy sauce. Uh, she's like, "You're crazy. That's my father's favorite meal. Like, it's a whole thing that they talk about." Yeah. And so yeah, she makes it as like because he what was he gone on like a trip for like a week? That's or, right. Yeah. And like yeah, he comes back, laughs at her new hairstyle. The first thing he does, which you know, it's a perm. But still, it looks fine. But you don't just laugh at her. <laughs> Rude. Yeah, she spends all this time like making pig kidneys. Like that doesn't sound appetizing, but I'm sure it's tasty in its own way. Yeah, depends on how they're prepared. I, suppose. I just made rabbit stew about two weeks ago, uh-huh, uh, and they uh, when you buy the the meat, like they just give you a full rabbit carcass, oh. like skinned. So like it came with like the liver and everything. Oh, and I put that in because you know iron. And, uh, yeah, it has an odd texture, though. Yeah. Organ meat is not my favorite. But I did feel spry. I think I absorbed that rabbit's energy. Oh, okay. But, yeah, goes all the trouble. That's, like, straight-up gaslighting, though. Oh, totally. 100%. I, I told you this one thing, and then later I say I didn't say that thing. Yeah. Which he 100% said. And then the way that he's, like, go off to the kitchen and, and just whip up something real quick. Whatever you make will be fine. I'm just like, oh my god! I would like pour that fucking soup on his face. Seriously, but I mean, this plays into the thing. It's like, why does Martha put up with this? Good question. I think it's the same reason why in Peter von Kant, that little assistant, like, oh, this is a um, yeah, dirty little sub fa- thing, phantom thread, little pig sort sub. Of thing. <laughs> Kind of, but, like, this is emotional masochism. Like, because, I mean, not to jump too far ahead, she gets a cat. <laughs> I'm a little upset that we I had was, to sit through it. <laughs> watching all this, I was like, how did I forget about, like, it all came flooding back. <laughs> the first, you blocked it out. The first close-up of that cat, and I was like, fuck me. <laughs> There's some like, animal abuse in this movie. Like, I know that, like, picking up a, a, a cat by, like, the nape is supposed to be, like, okay-ish. But the the sound, the foley of that cat meowing. This is my cat, Helmut. I have her rubble gekauft, because she's so white. I have thought that it makes her nothing out. This is just a tear, and... Yeah? It was upset. You could tell that the cat was like, please put me down. Yeah. <laughs> I, the cat also, like, scratches behind its ear a couple times. I was like, maybe it's just got an itch. <laughs> but, like, and the scene keeps going. I know. He holds, it, he holds it just, like, by the nape of its neck for a long time. And it's like, with kittens, that's okay. I don't mm. know if it's so okay once, like, they gain a bunch of weight. And, yeah. like, there's a lot of weight pulling on that skin. I felt terrible for that cat. It was I know. really hard to watch. I did too. I know. And of course, I knew it was going to die. I was like, he's going to oh, kill the fucking cat. Yeah, of course. And like a smash cut too. Yeah. Dead cat. She's like, I love it. It's my favorite thing. It's like, well, that's going to die. 
Yeah, it's just like I must have blocked it out. Oh man, uh, it was rough. Because I don't do well with like animal cruelty, and I was like, a cat. Like, like even right now, like I'm having to justify. I'm like, by the nape, it's fine. Like the, that's how cats are built. Mm. But no, deep down, I know. And this is like, there's something about Jack with the duckling where I'm like, Fastbinder probably like did not give a fuck about that cat. I was oh, like, just shake it around, get it to meow. <laughs> we need that. We need. We can't afford the cat sound effects. So just shake it till it meows. I, yeah, I definitely didn't see a PETA approved message <laughs> at the end of this one. But yeah, it's just like in my mind, I'm thinking like Martha, you're just asking for trouble. That yeah. So that is a good question. I guess the movie kind of frames it in a way where it's like she's of a position in society where getting divorced is sort of frowned upon. Because, like, well, I guess her sister got a divorce. No, they they reconciled. Like, they were having lunch, and she, Martha asked, like, and the divorce? And she's like, no, we've worked it out. Like, because oh. she talks about how, like, she's learned to, like, agree with him on everything and then on like the big things like she gets her way or whatever that's you know what matt that's a moment when he breaks the 180 degree rule oh does he right then is when she's when they're having that conversation oh okay so so the table's turned on her and well because like okay so it's like her co-worker gets married to the guy who proposed to her originally right her boss her boss (laughs) which also he seemed like kind of a catch. Just it's fine. Say, yeah, ran a library. I mean, problematic that he's your boss. Rent, but... You could rent yourself up some movies if it was today times. <laughs> um, he just seemed nice. That's all. So it's like her coworkers getting married. Her sister made it work. So like she's got like marriage on the brain a little bit, and right. Yeah, probably that scene is like what shifted it. Yeah, maybe maybe she's um, feeling. Like she doesn't want to get tied down because she is sort of a free spirit at the, in the beginning, and she's like, "I'm not. I just want to make sure it's with the right person." Blah blah blah, and like learning that, like, oh, you can be married and still sort of like work within that. Like that's what's shifted in her. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I, I took note of it because I was like, "This is people only do that when it's important, or they're amateurs." And this, you know, Fastbinder's not an amateur, right. so he's trying to tell us something here. Um, and also, yeah, they're also her other sister comes by in the car and like, that's why the camera moves all the way around is so Mm, we can see that car mm -hmm. pull up. And, uh, so that's also like, she's getting married. So yeah, she's, she's got pressure in that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think helmet must awaken some like emotional masochistic side in her. Cause like, yeah, I was just like, why on earth would you get a cat? Like, we all saw, like, the moment she said, like, it's my favorite thing in the world. Well, it's going to die. Yeah. Uh, It's like she must have known that getting a cat without asking was trouble. Hmm. And that, yeah. I guess I I read it more as, like, she's just trying to find a modicum of happiness in this horror that she's living. And yeah, so, but, like, all of her, like, little rebellions, like, never really pan out. Like, you know, she, when when he goes on vacation, he tries, she tries to smoke inside, and she, like, even can't let herself do that. That's heartbreaking. I was like, he's gone for a week, girl. You can smoke a cigarette right after he leaves, and it's not going to smell like smoke. But, no. But she couldn't she, do it. She couldn't do it. She had to go out to the veranda. <laughs> 
yeah, there, there's just like, yeah, she tries to like rebel in certain ways and it never pans out. And then like he does shitty things like while he's like on out on business, he comes and has the phone disconnected. And then like later she's like walking through the park and sees him with the guy who disconnected her phone. Yeah. And like she's like, oh, my God, it's my husband. Oh, no, because he got angry at her and just left. That's right. That's why. Yeah, because because she was listening to Lucia de Lamamore, which if you've seen the fifth element, we all know that's beautiful music. <laughs> And he thinks it's garbage. Oh my god! When he when he goes, you should be listening to to Lasso. And I'm like, isn't that like Gregorian chant? Yes, yeah, it's like choral blah. A little Gregorian chant goes a long fucking way. And he's like, you should listen to this on repeat. Yeah. Day after Just day. This. And it's like he starts playing, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm already tired of it. <laughs> yeah. And and then he's like, also read this book so we can talk about my job. And On it's like, damn engineering! I know. Here, read this book on damn engineering. I was like, are you mad? It's nuts. Just oh so we can God. have something to talk about. I want to talk intelligently to you about my work. I'm like, oh my fucking god. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's fucked. And so she she tries reading the book. She's like, this sucks. And then she's like, I also, I don't like the music that you're making me listen to. And so when he comes back from like that week trip and he's like, so uh, looks like you've changed the record. And she's like, yeah, I, I need to listen to other things. And he's like, well, what did you think of the book? And she's like, well, I didn't read it. I found it boring. He just gets up silently and leaves. Yeah. It's like, what a baby. You're also a drama queen, Helmet. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? But then, like, what does she do? Like, she puts on the lasso and, like, grabs the book and starts reading it. I like, know. even though he left. It's heartbreaking because it's like, honey. But, like, when he does, like, finally come back and she's, like, reciting passages from the book, the way that they're sitting, like, she's, like, pleased with herself. Mm. Like, it definitely reads that, like, Look what like a good little submissive housewife I am for you. Like she's sitting there with like really like pert posture and she's like just waiting for his approval on the matter. Like it just reads like she's a dirty little sub. Hmm. Well, in that scene that you're talking about, they're sitting back to back on a, that weird sofa. Yeah. But um it starts off you can see Helmet's face but and she's sort of like it might go all the way around too. I'm not sure. It starts yeah, on her face and go around. Yeah, but um, or it starts in the middle, I think, and then yeah, maybe right. But uh, it you can hear her talking. And you see sort of like the back of her head, but the way the camera moves, it ends up like she completely disappears behind him. So right, he, she, he's basically eclipsing her. Yeah, in that shot, and it's like, yeah, he's completely blowing out her her flame, like her light. He's extinguishing her light. But, like, there's something about her face where she's, like, pleased with it. Like, mm. there's, a, there's a couple times in the movie where it's, like, she's, like, completely, like, been broken by him. And she seems to be happy by it a little bit. Like, not, like, not, like, ecstatic or euphoric. But it seems like that's the, the goal that she was trying to reach. Mm. I didn't get that read, but... You have seen this one more time than me. I feel I feel like this is just like a, a melodrama of a woman trapped in a relationship that she doesn't know how to get out of. In an abusive relationship that she doesn't know how to get out of. 
because the way like she she reacts to that pretty cute uh librarian who took her job basically yeah she's upset like she's not happy in this situation but she feels like she has to behave this certain way like she's being controlled the the male librarian right? <laughs> yes yeah yeah i think he gets naked in another fastbinder movie hey yeah uh i want to say fox and his friends oh yeah i haven't seen that with the sound on <laughs> we used to play it a pony all the time but oh okay yeah um fastbinder's also in that one and he gets naked too yeah fastbinder's in this movie he is i'm i'm, a, I'm about 80 percent sure he's in the ice cream scene as the one like when the sister leaves she like turns over and he's the one who does the like blah, 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 blah. no i don't think so I'm that about, guy was way too attractive to be fastbinder mm, i'm about 80 percent sure it is all right well we'll have to fa- fact check that one we got but... a lot of fact checking to do on this intermission here <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know my read was just that like sh- just because of the way she is when uh, Helmet wasn't around, that she really was, like, scared and wanted to get out but didn't know how to do it. Which, honey, D-I-V-O-R-C-E. <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah, maybe. I feel like she could have, but, like, even when he forbids her to, like, leave the house and, like, she does and, like, she comes back and she does that big blood-curdling scream when yeah, she sees him. he's there. <laughs> I don't know it's like i feel like she wanted to get caught different takes <laughs> different takes well i don't know like i i think what we should what we need to do is like do <laughs> like uh uh not frame by frame but like aspect by aspect analysis of the last scene in the movie when they're in the elevator okay because it's like okay she was in a car accident right. trying to escape him uh, you know another one of her little rebellions it goes awry and she's paralyzed from the waist down for life yeah and, and that librarian the cute librarian died yeah in the car accident womp womp yeah but it's like she's in the hospital and helmet comes in with like roses as if this is like cause for celebration mm-hmm. like he comes in with like a bouquet that's like worthy of like a diva after her like premiere at, at you know, carnegie hall uh-huh and when he like wheels her out in the wheelchair and they get into the elevator she has that like same pert posture that she had when she was reciting from that damn engineering book where she's like she looks almost pleased and like he's like beaming with radiance like he's totally happy that he's just got a boxing helena situation <laughs> like this woman who's who has been deprived of all her humanity and can only do uh uh and is completely dependent on him and is just a fuck box hmm. i think she was doing those uh positions because she was scared of him yeah yeah i don't think that she's doing it out of like deriving any pleasure from it i got it that she was like this is what he wants and if i don't do it he's going to hurt me like, I thought she was in an abusive relationship and she was just trying to do it to please him so that he wouldn't hurt her. Yeah, but, I mean, that's part of it, but it's like, she's also, like, she's happy with the jail that she's built for herself. Hmm. Like, she's, like, put up each of the bricks in her jail and, like, she's kind of happy being walled off like that's the read that i get from it like okay just yeah because there's just 
the slightest hints of like a smile in those couple scenes when she's like completely submitting to his unreasonable demands and when she succeeds she's like pleased with herself and yeah just like they get in that elevator and helmet is beaming with happiness and martha is like has like a look of like restrained jubilation Hmm. well agree to disagree okay i think because yeah just the amount of hysteria she has when she gets away from him makes me think like she's scared of him it's like the invisible man (laughs) yeah like you have to believe when she says like you know this isn't good. He's he's bad for me. Like when she's saying that to the, I don't remember exactly what her conversation is with the librarian, but she's like, you know, you have to help me. Like it just seems like you just got to believe her that she's in peril. Yeah, maybe. I think they're gonna go on to live a a long uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane esque life. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> this movie's not a happy ending. No, I I just yeah, it, in 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 a way it's ruined like 2 days of the week for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to say so one of one of the best uh things about Fastbinder movies is just the cinematography in general. And this movie I was impressed uh with how good the camera work is on some of the motion shots. Oh like, sure. There's roller coaster footage that mm-hmm. is like steady. You watch roller coaster footage from this time and the camera's bouncing all over the place. And it's like, I can see everything. And uh, same thing with like when the car, when they're speeding at the end before like they turn. Oh, like, sure. That footage is usually like, I, he's actually driving the car. I don't know how they mounted it so like stiff to the car or the roller coaster. Like, I, I was just really impressed with however they made it look so so steady yeah i forgot the roller coaster scene because like there's a there's like a crane shot in that too it's like right after she voms oh yeah uh, yeah shout out to jessica baxter she's not pregnant and she voms uh <laughs> bad roller coaster experience yeah and it's like there's a big crane shot that lifts up from where they are like and then you can like see the whole circus or carnival or whatever it is yeah you don't see crane shots like that in a TV movie like a yeah 1970s German TV movie yeah yeah he's he's so inventive in his shots yeah and varied that I I don't think in the four movies of his that I've seen I could pinpoint like oh that's a fast binder shot like he's just always coming up with new things he's so inventive well because I remember when we did possession you were talking about how like the camera's always moving Mm -hmm. and like in this one it's not like it's always purposeful like he sprinkles it in like there's the the meet cute scene of course and then there's the scene where she's like reciting like the damn engineering things like that yeah and then like yeah uh the car wreck and the carnival like either it be the crane or just on the the roller coaster like he he's very uh uh purposeful like he doesn't do it all the time like sometimes that is stationary or lateral shots but like and this one yeah he moved around quite a bit yeah i think that's my favorite thing watching his movies en genre this one of the two that we watch i thought was the most uh von trierian like this is <sighs> this is tying a tying a tire around uh nicole kidman's neck for the whole movie yeah <laughs> and yeah she just takes it 
Yeah. I don't know. I think I think just you know watching bitter tears like put a taste in my mouth about how Fastbinder like views interpersonal relationships that like you know someone is like having some sort of subconscious desire to be just completely humiliated fulfilled hmm. even if they don't realize that that's what's like fulfilling them and i feel like that's what's going on with martha just like uh whatever the 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 assistant's name was in in bitter tears yeah was it uh, martha uh we'll fact check it on break <laughs> i don't even know what we have to fact check anymore uh yeah i don't know well uh or fastbinder was just a sadist and he was like <laughs> this is getting me off yeah or maybe he was secretly the masochist like uh in god's own country how it was like the dude like tried to be like butch and tough but he actually just wanted to be like a good cum slut bottom for the other guy mm. but he had to earn it yeah maybe maybe that's what fastbender was like so like he sympathizes with martha he's like i know what you need because that's what i need <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> you know. Messy. Uh, yeah, I think that might be all my notes for Martha. Yeah, I think I think I cover what I want to get across. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, let's take a little break. Okay. Do a bunch of fact-checking, sure. apparently. Yeah. Um, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about Veronica Voss. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, what did we learn on our break? That I'm racist. <laughs> and To be fair, we didn't need the break to know that. A ding dong. <laughs> Apparently, that is not Michael Fassbender. Or it's definitely not Michael Fassbender. <laughs> Rainier Werner Fassbender doing the tongue wagging in the ice cream scene. That, as far as I can tell. And also the um, sweaty guy at the beginning of Martha is not the G American GI in Veronica Foss. But he did have sex with Fassbinder. As did the American GI in Veronica Foss. So, so you can understand my confusion there. Where... Fastbinder's just banging every Middle Eastern or black guy that he can find. Yes. If there's a cast member in this movie, there's a chance they, they fucked. I'm sure there were other things we were supposed to look up. I can't remember any of them now. But Doesn't matter. No. We're fine. Does anything matter? No one's listening to this episode. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> totally fine. Oh, yeah. I know something we were going to talk about. We mentioned Michael Ballhaus as a... Uh, DP that worked with Fastbinder a lot and then went on to work with like Scorsese and lots of other people, but he was the DP on Martha. Yes. So, yeah. That's uh, important to note. Which, yeah. And, and one thing uh, that, that at least is very obvious to mine eyes is that Martha does not have a good transfer. Like the DVD is a little low quality considering like how great the cinematography is. Like, mm. I think it could use a little higher definition. A zhuzhing? A zhuzh. Um, it's so colorful and beautiful. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like, I don't know, the frame rate on the DVD was a little low. And it didn't look like the highest quality transfer, which maybe because it was German television movie. Like, they don't have good film stock or something. But 
It's just in stark contrast to our next movie, Veronica Voss, which is immaculate looking. Just beautiful black and white cinematography. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just watching the two movies so close to one another. I was like, these are worlds apart. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one was a DVD. The other was a Blu-ray, of course. So, like, there's going to be upgrade there. But just, I don't know. Well, even the DVD I watched was I, I was going to say, nice. like, e- yeah, even on DVD, I feel like there's a crispness to it. There, it's that high contrast black and white, too, that, like, it just it, it creates those defining borders. Yeah, black and white is everybody's friend, including Rainier Werner Fastbinders. The movie starts out. Or not immediately, but there's like a scene where there's like a bunch of lights shining all at once, and he's just gone crazy with the lens flare. I mean, it's it's like creating like a prison of light. Like it's just like you're behind a, f- a chain link fence of lens, lens flares. flares. Yeah, but I'm just like it's like within the first couple minutes of the movie, and I'm just like, oh my god, I've never I've never seen anything like it before. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like we've seen J.J. Abrams movies and <laughs> Steven Spielberg's movies. You ain't seen lens flares like Veronica Voss lens flares. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, while we're on the topic of um, stylistic choices, you want to know one of my favorite things about this movie, Matt? Wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Wipes in a dramatic film. Oh, this might be a first for X-rated. They're the best. I was just. They even did like the little noise, like the little wipe noise. Yeah, too. and they're so creative. Like there were just so many different types of wipes too. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I love it. Listen, uh, if you're making movies, bring put throw a wipe or two in there. Come fa- on, Fastbinder has shown though you can do a dramatic movie with wipes. I mean. Hey, uh, Bong Joon-ho did it in Parasite, so... Did he? Yeah, there's a wipe in there. Oh, I'll have to rewatch that. Yeah, so you can... You don't even need... You know, don't make it a theme like you do in this movie. You don't have to. Just he, throw one in once in a while. I was going to say, I think he only does it, what, three times? Oh, no, many. There's like is it? ten. Yeah. Oh, is there? There's quite a few. Oh, okay. But, um... You don't... I mean, you don't have to. You can just do it a couple times. I'd be happy. <laughs> I just love wipes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when, you need a transition. Throw a wipe in there. Yeah, when I saw that the first wipe, I was like, "All right, here we go. <laughs> this will get Ryan on board." I will say. So this was this is my fourth Fastbinder movie that I've seen, and this is the most watchable one. This is like just sitting back and going to the movies. Like this is a very almost like Hollywood movie. Almost like part of it is like. Hey kids, you want to go see a German black and white movie from 1982? Yay! <laughs> About post World War II German movie star? <laughs> it's just like part of it is like, oh my god, this sounds like the definition of art house. But I, on the other hand, it's kind of not like this is sort of in a lot of ways like Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Hey, they're both in black and white. They're both about aging movie starlets. Both are encountered by uh, a younger male man. journalist, yeah, uh, who takes a shine to them for whatever reason. But you know, where Sunset Boulevard had sort of the softer gray tone, black and white. This has that high contrast black and white, especially on Veronica Voss. Like she looks white, like yeah, ghostly white. Yeah, the lighting like plays a theme. A, we get like the chain link of lighting at the beginning, but like their first like lunch together, she's like, "Oh, the lighting in here is 
much right. too harsh. Could you turn down the lighting and, and and light these candles for me? Right. There's lots of creative lighting in this, yeah. But you know, you don't want to be look like you're uh, 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 being lit by like the milk aisle in the grocery store or something. Like Mm-mm. lighting is is probably as important, if not more important, than like makeup in how someone looks or or in their appearance, like. You know, golden hour lighting is probably more important than makeup, at at least, you know, to a certain degree. I think they even, like, demonstrated at one point in this movie, like, she's moving the candles around when they're in the house, and she's like, this can make you look this way, this can make you look this way. Yeah. Like, showing you. I thought it was a bold move to make it black and white. I don't think he'd done a black and white movie at this point. Mm. These couldn't be more, like, look-wise, the two movies we've done separate, like... I don't think if you showed me these two movies that I would know that they were the same director necessarily. Maybe theme-wise a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, style-wise, they're kind of worlds apart. Yeah. Well, I mean, Martha had its like very you know naturalistic lighting theme, where this is all about chiaroscuro. Close. Let's say it for me. Uh, well, now I'm in my head. <laughs> chiaroscuro. Chiaroscuro? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Like a Kira Chiaroscuro? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, this is very unnatural lighting. uh, Unpin it, I may as well now. This is also Chiaroscuro in the way that the Hitchhiker was, where we have sort of darker lit uh, scenes and scenes that are bright white. Like Like any scene in the hospital? Yeah, the, the neurologist's office is just like everything yeah it looks it may as well be like 2001 or something it's yeah. crazy it's like you know when you see like like a photo or or even video of someone like walking on like a green screen and they just kind of look normal mm-hmm. but it looks so like jarring next to that it's like it's kind of like that like it's so white and it's so blown out and so like when the lead dude comes in he's wearing like a black trench coat and like Everyone else is in like nurses or doctors' uniforms, so they're also wearing white and it's yeah. white walls and it's brightly lit, so it just like it just looks like white on white on white. And then you have like one dude. I'm like, okay, he's clearly not welcome here. Yeah, but boy, it draws your eye. You oh, know yeah. right where to look, don't you? It's like because when they open that door, and Veronica Voss is like in the, in the cell or whatever, it's like that's the only place for your eye to look. Yeah. I mean, I, ju- I just watched this movie today, so mm-hmm. full disclosure, so I haven't digested it completely. But um, I'll bet going back and doing a second watch, I would catch more of the meaningfulness of the black and white because it feels purposeful moments when like somebody is either wearing black with white around them or vice versa, like in like having the black around them. Like the I'm I'm thinking specifically of the scene when Veronica and What's the dude's name? Well, you look it up. Uh, after they have sex, and he's, like, wrapped in a sheet. Uh, Robert. Robert, yeah. Robert. When he's, uh, when he's like, wrapped in that sheet, but behind him, they're still in that dark house, and everything behind him is, like, black. Um, and then that's in stark contrast to the part that you just mentioned, where he's wearing black and everything around him is white. So I don't know if that's just for contrast visual sake or if there is like meaning behind it but i'd be interested to watch this again without thinking that so you mentioned that this was on uh roger ebert's great movie list yes did you read the review at all i did 
What did he have to say about it? I didn't know I was going to be quizzed on it. <laughs> well, uh, well, just that. Um, I don't remember. Okay. I don't know if I can. I don't that's, know fine, I can that's fine. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Uh, I, I was. Just, I didn't. I didn't realize that it was. So yeah. Uh, and I always like to read that stuff. Me too. He talked uh, a bit about how like. Um, so this is part of uh, what's the trilogy? The BKD. BDR, BDR, I think. yeah, okay. um, which stands for something in German. Yeah, that... something Deutschland, which means like after war movies. But it's like three movies he did with women protagonists trying to make their way in post World War II Germany, and they kind of have to like use their feminine wiles in a way to like navigate this new frontier. Yeah, he did clear up one thing for me, which was like why the that American. GI is there and it's just sort of like oh that was like a presence in Germany at the time American forces sure and so just having him there and like and the country music too like because her she has this like constant country music playing in her in her cell uh, so BDR stands for here we go Bundes Republic Deutschland which is the official name of West Germany okay and the United Contemporary Germany. But yeah, I, I watched all three after Bitter Tears. Uh, and this was my favorite of the three. Okay. Yeah, it's this one, Marriage of uh, Maria Braun and then Lola. Right. Marriage of Maria Braun had a black book all over it. Oh. Yeah, when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is clearly what Paul Verhoeven watched like <laughs> as inspiration for black book. Okay. And then Lola, I kind of, I, I didn't care for that one, which mm. is sad because that was the most uh candy colored one okay but yeah there was something about this one a big fan of sunset boulevard and there's very obvious parallels that i don't think Fastbinder was trying to hide yeah in, in, oh in yeah this like i think he was just like yeah i'm gonna do uh uh, uh instead of a pre uh no sunset boulevard was post-war he's like i'm gonna do one from german perspective so yeah. it's like she was married to someone who was like kind of high up in the SS is like the implication that I'm yeah, getting. She slept with Joseph Goebbels, maybe. Yeah. Rumor uh, has it. And like older women seem to know who she is, but that seems to be the end of of her fan base. Yeah. Sounds like she did some propaganda films, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, everyone kind of did propaganda films, but it sounds like she was on the wrong side of history. So like, after the war ended, like her celebrité kind of tanked a little bit. She couldn't find work. Yeah, and she does that classic Hollywood actress thing of talking about how she's just finished a project. Now her agent is desperately wanting her on this new project, but she's so exhausted from all the hard work that. Yeah. But she can't say no to him because he's such a good friend. But like she hasn't actually worked in years and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but she she goes like her agent's office because he's not taking her calls, and not uh, great. the secretary is like, "Oh, he's in a meeting right now." And then uh, she calls her out. She's like, oh, "He probably just told you to tell her that I was in a meeting." And the, the secretary's like, "If he's actually in a meeting or told me to tell you he was in a meeting, it's no different. You don't get to see him." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good secretary. <laughs> <laughs> but then the dude walks out i know uh and he, he's like oh veronica you know 
you know, I've been very busy. I had to see this, you know, he says something like floozy or something like that. Yeah. And she like peers into the office and she's like getting dressed. Yep. Casting couch. Yep. And it's like, okay, that's gross. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, you know, uh, unfortunately I have to give it to this, this actress. It's just politics and whatnot. You know how it is. Yeah. And then she's like, is, is there a mother? <laughs> Can I play the mother? <laughs> It's like, well, it, it, there is a mother part, but it, it's much too of a bit part. I for never you. would have asked you. <laughs> yeah, it's beneath you. It's like, I, I need it. I need it. I need it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, that's why I'm asking you. Yeah. Give me the fucking part. Yeah, I like the meta aspects to it, too. You know, Sunset Boulevard, very meta movie. Yeah. Uh, this one's got it going, too. I'm like, it starts off with her in a movie theater watching a movie. So it's mm-hmm. like, all right, we're already, here we go. And it's. It's her acting in a movie called Insidious Poison. Is that I'm, what it was called? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'd watch Insidious Poison. <laughs> Insidious Poison with a, a, a double feature with Anal Fury. Yes. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> it's like her acting as somebody who's like a heroin junkie, basically, or something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is what happens later in the movie, like giving away, signing away everything. So uh, that's why That is... Rainier Werner Fastbinder in the movie theater. That though. is true. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I knew that one. <laughs> yeah, that one is him. Okay. Looking gross and greasy as ever. I mean, yuck. There's even a line, like, at some point where she's talking with Robert and she says something like, I can't remember the context, but she says, like, movies aren't real life. Or no, he says movies aren't real life. She's like, You may have seen me in, in, in these things and, and thought these things about me. And he's like, Well, movies aren't real life. Yeah, she's a little crazy. I know. She's hoping that everybody will uh, treat her like a normal person, but it's like, maybe act like a normal person. I know. (laughs) A little bit. She borrows, you know, 300 marks to, like, go buy a brooch and, like, immediately returns it. It's like, okay, just cool your jets a little. Right after being like, I'm so glad that you just treat me like a normal person, she yells at the waiter to change the lighting in the the restaurant they're in. It's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Well, because he's like, what? What is he? He's like a sports journalist and aspiring poet, or something. Yeah, I liked his poems, by the way. And, you know, everything sounds good translated from German. I I liked it. Uh, dark, but pretty. Yeah, I no, I mean they weren't bad at all. Uh, but at first, I thought he was a poet, and like that's why like his girlfriend or wife was so consistently unsatisfied with him uh but then like no it like it turns out he's like a sports journalist or yeah something, and which... he's got like a scoop on this because he offers his umbrella to veronica when she's walking in the rain right um, and like walks her to the bus great shot of her walking through the woods in the rain oh my god yes like that's how the we're parallax off... of like the trees like the depth mm. like Mwah. it looks great but uh he offers her the umbrella and she's just like so happy that someone doesn't recognize her and it's just showing her kindness treating her like a human that she's like i must see you again well like he gets her on the bus and like no one fucking recognizes her yeah. but like she's like paranoid they're like oh no i can't sit with, with all those people then they'll start talking to me i just can't do yeah, it she's making such a scene that everybody's staring it's like meanwhile there are photos of helen mirren on the new york subway like as of like two years ago and she's sitting like promptly like purse in lap like you know she's not man spreading at all like she knows how to ride a subway but veronica voss is all worried that people are going to talk to her or recognize her or something i don't know it's post-war germany everyone's traumatized (laughs) it's a smaller country everyone knows everybody there yeah 
So, I, so I like that aspect too. It makes it sort of like film noiry. Like uh, he's um, he's sort of like a a detective almost, mm-hmm. like caught up in something that's bigger than himself. Uh, I like that aspect of this movie too. I mean, wasn't that what William Holden was in Sunset Boulevard? Wasn't he a journalist? He was like a writer. Not, he was like a screenwriter. He was, yeah, that's right. He was a screenwriter. That's, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, yeah, they were both writers, which, you know, Robert's got puss at home that he can eat. I don't know why he feels that he needs to go stick his dick in crazy. Well, she's got an allure. Like the literal German translation of the title is the allure or the longing. No, it's like the suffering of Veronica Voss. Well, what does. Oh, no, it is the longing of Veronica yeah, Voss. Something. Yeah. Uh, she has some sort die, of allure. Die, die Scheinter der Veronica Voss. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, this is going to work out really well when you have to pronounce uh, the German business uh, podcast when we're doing the... that's uh, nominated for an Ambi. You're just going to sail through that. Deutschmarks and Bismarcks. <laughs> With Frau Frau Berberder. <laughs> so, yeah, the girlfriend, props to her. like For being patient? Yeah. And she, understanding? This or? is sort of like a hall pass situation, right? Like, she's... This is your one mulligan. <laughs> she's like... <laughs> and you wasted it on crazy over there. Well, it's like, okay, you're with your partner. Or, you know, sort of partner. They seem very cash even though they, they, they like live, they live together. together, but they're cash about it. And uh, some like movie star comes up to your partner. Okay. Well, imagine this situation, I guess. Yeah. You're, 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 you've been dating someone for, I don't know, five months and you're living together for some reason. And then you've made it like semi-exclusive. And then Tom Holland comes up and it's like, I want to fuck you. First of all, Veronica Voss ain't no Tom Holland. I'm just saying a celebrity. No, no, no. But it's got to be someone of the of the correct ilk to to really paint your picture correctly. So, okay, same scenario. You're with someone, maybe year eighteen months. You're living together. Uh, you're getting to that point because, like, when Veronica Voss calls, she's like that charming young man that like helped me to the bus or whatever, and she's like, she called you charming. She must not know you that well. You're right. So, uh, but uh, what if uh, b- Tab Hunter, circa 2012, hit on you? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. He's got an allure. Well, right. That's what I mean. Like Veronica Voss, I'm sure has an allure. Well, that's why I'm, like, giving props to the girlfriend. She's like, all right, well, you know, we're a thing, but uh, I get it. She's a movie star. She has an allure. Go for it. Go go explore this. She's pretty cool, is what I'm saying. She's tolerant about it. I think it's because, I mean, what's, she gonna, what's Robert going to do? Like, date Veronica Voss? Yeah. No. That's not going to happen. I mean, she's upset later when he spends the night with her and fucks her. Yeah. But she's not like, it's not a deal breaker. Right. She's just sort of like, you still love me, right? I don't know. I thought she was very modern. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's true. Probably modeled off of like Rainier's real life wife. It'd be one thing if Robert had like banged some like hot young model that was like actually a threat. I think the girlfriend was just like, mm, this will peter out. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
But I just, I don't know. I liked that whole, that whole situation. I mean, I think one of the things that I particularly like about this movie is that Veronica Voss is not terribly far removed from your modern drag queen. Like, oh yeah, like this is this could be any number of contestants on Drag Race. Sure, I thought you were going to say Marlena Dietrich. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean that too. <laughs> I mean, this is based on a real life German. That's actress. true. Yeah, Sylvie uh, something. Yeah, and like. So that that's like super sad because it's basically like sort of a modern or post-war Britney Spears situation, except instead of just a legal conservatorship, like they they doped her up and got her addicted to opiates or morphine or something. Yeah, and so so that's the fucked up part that the journalist finally figures out is that like this neurologist that she's been seeing got her hooked on morphine, morphine, and would like. She basically became her, uh, it's not sugar daddy, Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. And is like, all right, I'll give you some more. But like, would they control her with it? And like, she's just like, I'm just going to bleed her dry. And it's sad. Yeah, because you find out that like, there's been instances where like these like wealthy people, once they sort of are on their own, like especially like widows who like maybe not, didn't have to like worry about money or bills or, or anything like that. Like, the husbands took care of everything. Like, they sign everything over to their doctor. Like, 100% inheritance, like, goes to their physicians. Right. And he's asking that one doctor. He's like, oh, well, it's actually relatively common. Like, you know, doctors become very close to their patients sometimes, and the patients idolize them in some way. And it's often not... they owe them money anyway. Yeah. So. But then, like, you see, it's like, oh, it's because you get them hooked, and, like, you say you leverage them into doing and saying, like, I won't give you another fix until, like, X, Y, and Z until conditions are met. you sign these papers saying that when you die, I get everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. And, uh, like, that, that little cadre of doctors or whatever, they're really cavalier about it, too, because it's like, they show that scene of them essentially plotting Veronica's death. And like I'm thinking, we should go away for Easter, someplace grand, and we should also kill Veronica that weekend. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we'll leave her locked in her room with no morphine, but plenty of sleeping pills. She'll take care of it herself. Yeah, and they're like, that sounds like a good idea. Pass the scones. Yeah, it's messed up, Robert kind of figure pieces this all together that this is what's going down because of this really nice old jewish couple mm-hmm. that i loved when i first met them. i thought they were just going to be a one-off like it was just holocaust like, survivors yeah they were just like some cute little couple that he meets in the street but then they keep coming back and you like learn their whole story and it's very sweet but also like he was a patient of the doctor she got him hooked on heroin probably or not heroin on uh, morphine probably did the same deal with veronica but they the wife was always there for for them and so like it never got to the level that it got with veronica and they just sort of like once their money kind of ran out it seems like they were like okay let's just end this and it's kind of sweet they have like a uh, mutual suicide with tea and sleeping pills Uh uh-huh and they're like die on each other's arms on a couch yeah, it was kind of sweet. It's, I don't know. I liked their whole storyline. It really, it really touched me. <laughs> they also have like good lines, like because it's like when Robert like goes to the address that he like gets from the agent or something like that. Yeah, and he sees that it's like not an apartment or something, but like a a, a doctor's ward. office. Yeah, there's a line that they say that it's like 
sometimes people don't say when they've moved because they don't want to be found. I don't remember how exactly right. it was worded, but it, it it was something like circular and poetic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I like that line. And in that same conversation, I like where she turns to her husband. She's like, what do you say? He's been nice and polite to us. Should we help him? And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> Total like married couple thing. Yeah, but like older in love, still in love married couple. Mm-hmm. Like it feels like the Holocaust kind of gave them a new lease on life. Sure. And uh, they just see like they just want to have happy memories from now on. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like they wanted to be in control of their deaths and they wanted to make sure that they had it with tea and honey because they wanted to end life on a sweet note and not a bitter one of the pills. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know. They, I liked their whole thing. I liked their whole vibe. So that's how you're going to go? Mutual suicide with your partner? You got it. <laughs> Drinking white claws and eating $40 cheese and olives. <laughs> hey, we talked about this on the uh, $40. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm blowing all of it. <laughs> Give me your most expensive olives, please. You know, we talked about this on the In Bruges episode where it's like the way to go is barbiturates and uh, alcohol. But make sure you take enough so that you fall asleep. I mean, yeah. Which uh, is what they did. Yeah. But they did tea. I like how you didn't dispute the white claw in my scenario (laughs) that I painted for you. I would buy your most expensive wine. (laughs) What were we talking about? Uh, the old, couple, the, the old the Jewish Jew- couple yes, yeah. killing themselves, but in a sweet, romantic way. Yeah. They were cool. I liked them. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, they, they, I, I like them, too. But so this sets in motion the, uh, the like, we're going to we're going to get this bitch, basically. <laughs> and so they have the uh, Robert and his girlfriend have this plot where she's going to show up as a fancy lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm rich. And she like she like comes in like what a fur. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pretending to be like rich and and like feigning and some pain. pain. Yeah. Ever since my husband died, <laughs> yeah, the pain hasn't stopped. It's just it's such a sitcom like <laughs> scenario. <laughs> it was a little. I'll silly. be the wealthy dowager. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So she she goes in. She's like, oh, I have. Pain in my duodenum. <laughs> I, I would go to see a more expensive doctor, but uh, he's no longer accepting me as a patient. <laughs> I just. Aspirin isn't doing it for me anymore. <laughs> how is. How is the neurologist, like, not hip to this? Well, I think they kind of were, because, like, she writes a prescription for morphine. Oh, yeah. And, like, she stows it in her purse, and, like, the first thing she does, she goes out to the telephone booth. Bad call. And it's like, that telephone booth is in direct sight of the doctor's office, and they see her phoning someone immediately, so they're, like... They put two and two (laughs) together. Time to kill her. And then they're like, all right. Here we go, murder time. Yeah. Also, yeah, they were gonna what they were gonna do because morphine is illegal or something. They were gonna like prove that this doctor's prescribing morphine, and so she bad. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, they they get this, and then so they they send a car or her, her assistant, the doctor's assistant girlfriend, possibly. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, gets in a car and mows her down. Yeah. Oh shit! Our car. Oh, shut the- and it looks like somebody really gets hit by a car. Yeah, it's a good stunt. Like, however they did it. 
I gasped. And then, like, the assistant switches the prescription in the purse with, like, an innocuous one. Yeah, like Valerian root or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That's what they, they, the uh, Edward Norton gets prescribed in uh, Fight Club. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How about that? He's like, chew on some Valerian root and get more exercise. Oh. Uh, last time I dealt with Valerian, it was uh, a terrible Lupuson movie. <laughs> I was going to say, it was the City of a Thousand Planets, yeah, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Did not put me to sleep, but uh, Dane DeHaan probably would, because he's wooden. Dane DeHaan, Dane DeShouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. D- Dane DeHaan shouldn't Dane to act again. <laughs> Dane DeHaan, more like Dane DeHaunt. <laughs> there it is. That's the one. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Roberts finds out his girl. He's understandably upset his girlfriend's been mowed down he thinks that the... well, like he calls the police immediately yeah he's like they killed my girlfriend she's prescribing illegal morphine and so like the police search the purse and they're like blah 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 valerian root what's that and they're like oh it's a mild tranquilizer you know used to help you sleep or something yeah been foiled so yeah foiled again He's stuck now. He doesn't have any recourse. At this yeah. Point, so. And I think that's right before they leave Veronica for the Easter weekend. Yeah. And I liked that whole sequence because it's uh, Veronica's morphine dream or withdrawal dream she's having where she's singing that uh, that song. Oh, yeah. Memories. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm like, I, I like that sort of a... Uh, uh, you know, too cool for school, breathy German version of it. But I was just like, she would not make it very far in Drag Race doing it this way. <laughs> it was cool. It was like Weimar era, and it was in English. Yeah, I I, I liked it a lot, and I liked that because when it, it there's no telegraphing that this is in her head because there's been flashbacks in the past. Yeah. So I thought it was some sort of flashback, but then you see like all the modern people that yeah. have been in her life through the movie and you're like okay so something weird is going on and then you realize it just does a hard cut to her in that room by herself yeah there's just an ominous vibe to it yeah and yeah cuts back to yeah she's locked in in that room which i did not see a toilet in that room by the way oh, not good so it was just like she's gonna be like even if she survived like the two three days where was she going to pee and poo? Yeah. Very on brand for this podcast to be looking for the toilet. <laughs> Just, I, I, like, I was like, maybe it's the angle. Like, maybe it's like one of those things where like the bathroom is like behind the camera. Cause, uh-huh. like, but I swear like they show like the full room at some point. I did not see a, a, a bathroom or toilet in there. If you're not going to die from the sleeping pills, you'll die from not peeing and pooping. Uh, I will make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially because if train spotting taught me anything, it's that when you're coming oh. off of uh, uh, opiates, you get uh, uh, explosive diarrhea. <laughs> right. Because opiates uh, make you constipated. Right. And so chances are she was going to have a historic bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been funny that in the dream sequence, they're like it's panning and it's like all these people, fancy people, and then there's just like a piece of poop, like a big <laughs> human-sized piece of poop. And she, it's just like the trauma and she like wakes up she's like oh no this is not a drill this is happening 
Um, I better kill myself before. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather die than shit the bed. Except, like, it'd probably be like a Loopy Velez situation where she was like a old Hollywood star and she wanted to die, like, and leave a beautiful corpse. So, like, she, like, put on her best, like, nightgown and, like, put on all this makeup. And then, like, she took, like, a bunch of sleeping pills and was just going to, like, die on top of her, like, duvet on her bed and, like, be just, like, super photographable for, like, when the reporters came the next day to see her body. Uh Uh, But, like, she got sick and tried to, like, run to the toilet and, like, started throwing up and, like, drown in the toilet. So it's, like, when the reporters (laughs) came by, it was, like, her face down in, like, a puke-filled toilet. Oh, that's terrible. I shouldn't laugh. I think that I think I think that's actually just like a, a, a urban legend, but that is like the story. Oh that, no! Yeah, she wanted to die and leave a beautiful corpse, and instead died <laughs> head in a toilet filled with vomit. No. <laughs> and there's where Lupe Velez bought the toilet she drowned in. Another gay director we've covered on the podcast. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the end. Well, yeah, it's another bummer ending. Like, Fastbinder can't seem to do a, a happy ending here. Uh, they're like they're like hanging out in uh, in uh, Veronica's house. It's the the drug dealer uh, doctor, the the prescription provider guy, and her girlfriend. And they're I think the line that shows up, and I wrote it down because it tickled me, was everything is pleasant now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but and then I think it, it pans over to. Robert and he just like drives away. Yeah, he's like, he's like fuck. Can't do anything. Which is such a like film noir ending. It kind of it reminded me of like Chinatown. Sure. Kind totally. of where it's like forget it Jake. Yeah. Forget Robert. It's he's back to West sports Berlin. Yeah, cuz he's when he gets in the yeah, when he gets in the taxi they're like where to and he's like take me to the sports arena. Yeah, yeah. Cuz he's like I guess I can't I'm not doing this story cuz there's nothing to say. I'm going to go back to writing about you know whatever sports i know that like sports writers have probably been around for a long time but the idea of them seems modern to me the idea that there was like a sports page in the newspaper in like 1948 or whenever this movie's supposed to take place like 55 55 like i don't know for some reason that just kind of boggles my mind a little bit like how many sports were there well like was it just football what sports is germany known for in 1955. Yeah. I really don't know. Like, did they have baseball, cricket? All right, I'll be honest. I don't remember where I read this when I was doing some reading about this movie, that they said that he mostly covers hockey, and I'm just like, hockey? hockey? I know. I didn't want to say it because it sounds like I dreamed it. <laughs> but that's what it said. That actually seems more plausible than some of the other sports that like I was thinking. Because hockey's been around. Actually, while we're on the subject of hockey, uh, I'm seeing Guy Madden all over this. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I feel like this is one of the things he probably watched a bunch of. Oh, really? Yeah. Just like the Just old... Just the black and white. Because, I mean, this is like... It's drawn like a... from like German expressionism that, yeah, that and... uh, uh, Madden has definitely absorbed and like a hat tip to old hollywood which he loves and so i was getting some guy madden vibes on okay yeah sure 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 and uh we all know cowards bend the knee cowards bend the knee episode 19 14 very early yeah uh all about hockey 
So we need to revisit him sometime soon. Oh yeah. Well, I've got like three on my list. Get to it. What am I waiting for? Get to it. gay director there was i didn't get any real lookers except for the the replacement librarian and martha yeah i mean i think his type is just different than mine his taste is different than mine <laughs> i think his taste is uh who's ever game yeah he does seem a little pansexual doesn't he yeah mm. i think he's attracted to the drama <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly you read about that uh, that dude that was in Martha, and it's like he made him bring his kids from Morocco, and like the kids didn't want to go, and the mom was upset about it, and it was like neither of them were very good at raising children, and it's just <laughs> like it sounds like he wanted all that drama, and he's working all the time. And boy, I mean, Michael Fassbender is someone that I would not trust to like take care of my dog. Like, well, I don't know how Michael Fassbender is, but Rainier Werner Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that that's that's one that you have to break out the nanny cam for. Like, yeah. Just like, okay, what really went down? He's definitely like an artist, and I enjoy his art, but the person, mm-hmm. ugh, everything I read, he sounds awful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, separate the man from the art. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got some good movies on your hands. <laughs> yeah. And a piece of shit on the other hand. So this was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed both these. I'm glad I saw I'm glad I saw both of them. I actually, I really liked both of them. So yeah, they're, yeah. They're downers, but they like. Yeah, both of them are a little Debbie Downer. They're real rewarding. So. Yeah. No, like when I went through, because yeah, I think I watched like 10 of them over the summer. And yeah, I eventually just had to give up because it's just like, I don't think a single one of them has even what could remotely be considered a happy ending Mm-mm. and it's just like how often do i want to punish myself like this yeah you gotta sprinkle them in like i guess you could say that martha has a happy ending if you look at it from my point of view where martha's a secret masochist and doesn't realize it until the moment she comes completely subservient to helmet but that's kind of happy all right, if you want to hold on to that, <laughs> go right ahead. But yeah, it's just like none of them, none of them are, are a cheerful little jaunt. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling we'll be coming back to Fastbinder too. Like, uh, well, we've done three of his movies now. I have a feeling we'll probably have another couple coming up. Hopefully. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he was a great director. Sad, sad that he died. I also like, I was thinking that watching this, I was like, man, it feels like he still had more to give. Oh, totally. Because. You know? Veronica Voss was of the BDR trilogy. It was the what was it? The last one filmed, but the second one released, or something like that, or vice versa. Yeah, or maybe it was remember. vice versa. I can't remember. And it's just like the like I look at this versus say say Martha, and I'm like, these are like stylistically pretty worlds apart. Like he easily could have kept making movies. Yeah. It's not like. I mean, and we've both seen Querel, right? Also, just completely different from this. Like, he still had stories to tell. Yeah, it's a shame because 
I mean, he did leave behind a lot, but I I really would love to see what else he had because yeah. I, I just know that he. he I would have loved done. to see if he could have come to Hollywood and like yeah made made some like blockbusters or something yeah like, Do, get the get the Todd Haynes treatment yeah get a huge like budge behind it yeah like Fastbinder's RoboCop or something hmm yeah yeah I could see it so well a boy can dream yeah anyway rewarding good double feature yeah. But it's not a little emotionally draining, but yeah, just put a note on these to never watch them on Wednesdays or Sundays. <laughs> so. Well, Matt, what do we have coming up? Well, okay. I guess we should say now before I say that we're finishing season 19 here. That means we're about to start season 20 and things are going to change around here. I'm tired of this one week break between seasons, Matt. I need Two weeks. Have you brought any fruits or vegetables onto the planet? Two weeks. Whatever you say, discipline, Daddy. Two weeks. Two weeks. So, that said, thank you. Yes. Listeners. Our bonus apps will still be coming out with yes. the same if regularity pa- as ever. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you will still be getting content. But I need I need a little time. You know, with my new schedule, it's a little harder to get these episodes out. And, and we're just... also going to be taking a mid-season break. Well... Or not. My schedule changed, so that might not be a thing. Okay. Well, then we'll play that one by ear. Right. But yeah, two, two weeks between seasons, just to give us a little breather. We'll breathe. I mean, technically, we are recording more now than we have ever. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, bonus stuff will be coming out for the Patreons, as usual. And uh, regularly scheduled content will just have an extra week break at, between, uh, seasons. between seasons. Yes. So, that being said, Matt, what is coming up in two weeks? So, in two weeks, we're going to be in April. Okay. Springtime is here. And I think I want to do something inspiring, uplifting, something to show off our sensitive sides. Oh, okay. I want to do a movie by a little-known director named Harmony Corinne. Oh, Spring Breakers. <laughs> that was me flashing my tits. It's been on the list since we started this damn podcast. I feel like you've been talking about it forever. And it's just like, yeah, I think this episode comes out like April 5th or something. And I'm like, it's now or never, fellas. <laughs> and it's perfect because we just did that Britney Spears documentary. Exactly. And yeah, just uh, feels right. It's like if I don't do it, at the beginning of April, then what the fuck am I waiting for? Yeah. Oh, I love it. So I've only seen this movie once, but I really enjoyed it. I've seen it a couple times. I think I've seen it at least three times, and it gets a little better on each viewing. Yeah, this is the movie that turned me around on Harmony Corinne, so... Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the next episode. Ugh, 191, we're getting around to Harmony Corinne. <laughs> so... Still no Spielbergs, but... Still uh, no Spielbergs, but... Cool, excellent. I'm excited. Three fast binders, three Frank Oz, four Frank, three Frank Oz. I think we're at four now. Is it four? Because we did the bonus episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, multiple Greg Arakis. Like a lot of people before getting to Spielberg. Hey. All, all the people of that of his class, we've done uh, like we've done multiple De Palmas. Uh, we've done multiple Coppolas. Uh, we've done a Scorsese, like we did a Paul Bright. <laughs> someday, someday, plug our junk, get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. 
on the sordid topic of coin, please go to our Patreon if you have not already. Subscribe there and get that sweet, sweet bonus content to fill in that pod hole when we are on break. Oof. Yeah, we're not just talking about movies. We've got uh, we've got some uh, fun music video stuff coming up, and maybe even some commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, bonus content doesn't isn't just uh, quick and dirty. We've got lots of stuff. So. Yeah. Oh, on that note, uh, welcome Jen Marks. Uh, yes, latest Patreon Jen Marks, longtime friend of mine. Uh, we've been talking about having a little celebrity gossip corner with her because she is a savant on the celebrity gossip front, and so uh, yeah, she bribed her way into it. <laughs> hey. I'm- Jessica's on the podcast all the time. So. <laughs> but I, I love it. Welcome. Uh, now we're back up to 10. Yeah. This is perfect. So. And so, yes, uh, free ways to support us, of course, are leaving us love where you get this podcast. Mm-hmm. Or telling a friend. Or a family member. Or a coworker. Or the bus driver. And anyone who, who, who listens to podcasts. Hello, Mr. Bus Driver. Do you like movies? I've got a movie podcast for you. All right, Veronica, just go to the back of the bus. <laughs> and you can always uh, reach out and touch us. Reach out, touch us. Facebook at Rated X Movies. On Twitter at X Rated Movies. Email x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, xratedmovies.com. The ever expanding X Rated Universe. It's all there. Um, great. Until two weeks from now when we. Shout Spring Breakers! Woo-hoo! <laughs> uh, keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye. Bye bye.